Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Welcome to our new podcast, the Parental Guidance Podcast. One of the main reasons behind setting up this podcast was because I saw parents struggling to get to grips with the impact of a hypersexualized society on their children's lives. Parents often feel as though the influences around our children are far too great. This can often lead to apathy. Parents often express a fear that they cannot talk about certain issues, so they censor themselves which leads to our children's norms inevitably being shaped by societal standards. Often the thing we fear is made worse by fear itself. This podcast has been created to help you to navigate the chaos around you and your family. Inshallah, I hope it helps you to navigate sometimes complex areas, empowers you and gives you permission to take action in the lives of your children. In this first series, we look at LGBTQ plus identities. And in this first episode, I speak to Dr. Salman Butt, Chief Editor of Islam 21C. What struck me most from our conversation is how important language is when seeking to understand LGBTQ plus identities. When we use the made up labels of LGBTQ plus, we accept the narratives which underpin these identities. This is despite the fact that these identities come from a very white Western historical experience. It encompasses a whole load of baggage which fixates on the idea that human beings have an innate intrinsic characteristic called sexual orientation or sexuality, something which has no objective reality outside of their mythical belief systems. That is why we decided to call this episode Why Muslims are Atheists. This is because we don't believe in the existence of a gay identity rooted in objective reality. I hope you benefit from it. We'd love to hear any feedback you have. Contact details are in the episode description. Please support us to make high quality content for Muslim parents by supporting us through our Patreon account. Details are in the episode description. Jazakumullahu khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alaikum assalam wa barakatuh. How's it going? Alhamdulillah, good. How are you? Alhamdulillah. I invite you on today because I think for the past about 10 years, we've been discussing back and yeah. forth issues around how to tackle this idea of LGBT that exists and its impact is growing within the community and, in, and really impacting our community. And so the first question I really want to ask you is, I think you're a big believer in not using this language, yeah, the language of LGBTQ. Yeah. yeah? And the question is, why shouldn't we use the word gay, lesbian, bisexual, say this person is gay, that person's lesbian, yeah. that person's bisexual, that person's asexual? So this is exactly how we're having on. This is, I would go further than that and say also we shouldn't even use terms like straight yeah, or heterosexual. And the problem is when Muslims use these terms, we know what we, most especially people our age, we know what we're talking about, right? We're talking about people's actions. We're talking about stuff that's translated from our own paradigm, our own tradition, our own kind of background intellectually. But what we don't realize oftentimes is when 
our kids might be exposed to something in school or when wider society says something, especially societies that have been dominated by kind of Anglo-America, these terms mean something very different. So what do they mean then? They refer to a whole host of philosophy, history, psychology and Christian beliefs all mishmashed together to create basically a statement of a person's most fundamental identity. It's when a Muslim like our age says gay, straight or whatever, they're talking about actions and behavior and lifestyle and people's choice and stuff. But that's not what these terms mean in the dominant hegemonic culture and the kind of narratives out there. They mean, they refer to what you are. What statement you about are. who you are. This is yeah. who you are, right? So what's, the difference about who, what's the difference between who you are and action, actions that you do? So, for example, when, we, when someone says, who are you? I say, I'm a Muslim. And so, I, I am a Muslim. But that may also involve a whole host of different actions attached to that. Good so, question, good question. What's the difference? Why does society use terms like gay and straight in order to describe a somatic fact about the body? What does somatic mean? Yeah, so a somatic fact is just basically an essential fact about the body. For example, you, Yusuf, you are five foot whatever, X many kilograms, I think 80, 75 kilograms. <laughs> yeah, yeah <about> years ago. Down-eyed, <laughs> black-haired individual, right? These are somatic facts. These are facts about the body, facts that portray some kind of reality about who you are. When a young person or when the general public talk about gay and straight and these kind of made up terms, for them, they're not made up terms. They don't understand that these are cultural products. Yeah, they are pushing them or they've been absorbed by a very uh, a deliberate kind of uh, agenda. They've absorbed them as true facts about the body, like about your fundamental, most fundamental nature. This is who you are. This is what you are. Right. True. Make nouns out of verbs all the time. Yeah. If somebody plays football, they're a footballer. Somebody does something good. It's something that you encourage your child, for example. You label them with, according to some parents, they might label them with good attributes and, and names and stuff. But the difference here is the discourse that our young people are exposed to, gay and straight and bisexual and trans, these are referring to a somatic fact about the body, like hair color, eye color, so, skin color. So are they saying that these things are unchangeable, they can't be changed, they're yeah. fixed part of a person's identity? Yeah, that's part of the package, right? So the, the fundamental, this is why I believe, I'm always complaining that w mm. uh, whenever I see Muslims talking about LGBT ideology and so forth, a lot of the times they make it worse. Remember one, one youth program we did, for example, a young lady, she said, what's wrong with being gay or lesbian? Mm. Yeah. And the standard response you normally get from, sad to say, many imams or du'at, whatever, youth workers, the usual stuff that we used to hear when we were younger. God created Adam mm. and Eve, not Adam and Steve, <laughs> and all this kind of stuff is not natural. What is that person saying? That person, he means, he's saying basically, I'm going to tell you why two men shouldn't be in a relationship together and do X, Y, Z with each other, to each other. That's not what she's talking about. See, to her, and I think we, we underestimate the intelligence of our children. All right. When I explained to her and, and the whole group that the question is wrong, then they were like, okay, we're getting somewhere. It makes sense now. Because the issue is, you ask, what's wrong with being gay? Mm. Right? This is now an issue of ontology, it's a mm. philosophical thing of being. Right? It's not just as straightforward as just using a term and throwing it out there. See, behind that question is all of this indoctrination. And at the core of the indoctrination is, one people, namely 
predominantly white Anglo-American producers, philosophers, psychologists, and so forth, and people in power you know, throughout the last several decades, they've been pushing a particular belief, a particular product of their culture, their upbringing, their history. They've been pushing that onto other people, peoples mm. in Africa, Asia, Middle East, and, and so forth, predominantly who are, mm. who are Muslims are putting up the, most of the resistance here. And what is that belief that they're pushing? And this is the, at the crux of the whole matter, yeah? Not talking about Adam and Steve and this and that, or even actions or relations. No, no. The crux of the matter is they're pushing the belief that human beings are fundamentally individuated, i.e. split and categorized across these discrete categories. Mm. And they will call this category sexuality, and there are subcategories, okay? Homosexuality, heterosexuality, this sexuality, that sexuality, sexuality whatever, however many they're, they're going to keep on making. But... That's the, the elephant in the room. That's the crux of the whole discussion. So you're saying it's not even just almost the branches of the discussion. It's that fundamentally yeah. the way people understand human beings is completely different from the way we understand yeah. human beings and the way human beings actually are. Yeah. It's not just human beings. So one angle is, yeah. So this belief, it arose in a particular context. And this context, completely accidentally, by the way, from their perspective, it's not like from a, like a pejorative or whatever, but they have no firm guiding principles, right? Every, everything is up in the air. There's no firm foundation to tether their philosophy, mm. their metaphysics, their understanding of reality, their epistemology, everything about the moral philosophy. So there's an element of, okay, how do we look at the human being? What is the human being made up of? But there's also an element of what is the purpose of life? Yeah, What is the relationship between the human being's desires and the human being's purpose? What is the purpose of society? What is the purpose of reproduction? What is the purpose of different parts of the body? Mm -hmm. So on and so forth. Yeah. Every culture naturally is going to have different ways of answering these questions. Now the point, the real diversity is to let Different peoples have different answers to those questions and trying to get along. But what's been happening is one people have been enforcing their answers to those questions or a product of their answers, which is solidified and crystallized into one belief, which is human beings are individuated across these discrete, rigid, permanent, deterministic categories, i.e. homosexual, heterosexual, gay, straight, all these types of labels. So that's the real crux of the matter. They're imposing this belief on others. This belief is has nothing to do with science, nothing to do with the world outside of the Euro-American bubble. It Now it has because of obviously the cultural hegemony and it's been violently spread across the last 150 years or so. But even in in, in what we call the West today, it's not older than 150 odd years. Yeah. It was created in the 19th century, the 1800s. And that same thing goes for heterosexuality as mm -hmm. well, yeah? So I really against like, one of the earliest conversations we had about this was on camera when we said, don't say, Muslims should not say homosexuality is haram and mm. heterosexuality is wajib. I know what you mean by that, bro, sister. But what you're doing is failing to challenge these terms in the first place. If you accept them, then there's only two characters allowed in this story. If you accept this fundamental belief that there is something outside of cultural production called homosexual, heterosexual, or homosexuality, sexuality, gay, straight, and so forth. If you accept that premise and then carry on, there's only two types of characters allowed. Yeah, Either you're the enlightened ally who's helping people be their authentic self and their, and their true identity, or, number two, you're a homophobic bigot, a religious zealot who, you know, who's just awaiting to be 
enlightened. So like you're racist, basically, or misogynist or whatever. And this is at the crux of it. So people think, well, but I'm not, what are you talking about? I'm the one who's saying, mm. live and let live. I'm the one who's saying, lakum dinukum al to you is your way, to me is mine. But because you fail to challenge that, or you've accepted that discourse, you've accepted the belief that human beings are separated into these categories and they're about the body, they're real, rather than just made up constructs. If you fail to challenge that, then you're only allowed to be one of two people. You can't mm. be authentic to what Islam and Muslims actually are mm. supposed to say, which is yeah. human beings are not separated or mm. not defined by pardon language, what gives them erection, yeah? You are not d defined by what arouses you sexually. This is a culmination of loads of different kind of philosophical, historic, yeah. psychological, sociological issues that came about together in one period from the yeah. 19th century until today, which is very interesting to go into. But guess what? That history, all of that sociology, that's not you. That's somebody else's cultural baggage and cultural norms. I'm more than happy to debate that with people, discuss that with people and agree to disagree. But don't impose that belief on me. This is what's happening in schools, mm. in workplaces. I want to go back to the schools issue. I just want to really try and get the listener to try. And mostly, obviously, most of the parents who are there yeah. will be having these discussions with their children and answering questions about this. Like the idea that someone should be who, whomever they want to be. You be who you want to be. And by stopping me from being gay, you're stopping me from being who I want to be. And therefore, yeah. that is a form of oppression. And people who identify as LGBTQ have been oppressed for so many years. And therefore, we need to be given the space to be who we are. And that sounds very reasonable, isn't it? Yeah, for, to most people, yeah. And actually, young Muslims, a lot of young Muslims, they get taken in by some of this, some of the phraseology, some of these yeah. terms. And it's, it sounds really quite reasonable yeah? yeah it's almost human beings are given rights the human rights but guess what it's designed to sound reasonable <laughs> that's the whole point of propaganda and trying to mm. tailor a, a very specifically crafted narrative right yeah and a story the point is what i would say to that is to use your way to me is mine right for you to impose that your accidentally inherited cultural norms are actually representative of the universe mm. and I have to yield to these beliefs that there is something called straightness some magical quality mm. called straightness and magical quality called gayness mm. and even though I don't have all that philosophical religious and historical baggage that you have that led you to believe in those beliefs mm. I don't share that you can't impose yeah. that on me and therefore you're the one who's being unreasonable you're the one who's being bigoted you're the mm. one who's imposing and intolerantly forcing me to believe in your completely socially constructed beliefs. I'm more than yeah. happy for you to actually disagree with me on something. We can come to common mm. terms, yeah? Like we're going to, for example, appeal to things that are reality, not people's cultural norms mm. at 19th century. Like I said, that goes the same for straightness as well. You don't identify as straight, yeah? Because this, again, this is from social, historical, religious paradigm that we don't share. Yeah. We identify yeah. as humans, I remember, as Muslims. I remember right. I saw this video once yeah, on, on YouTube. I think they show it in schools as well, where this, somebody goes out on the street with a microphone and plants this microphone in front of people's faces and says, when did you know you were heterosexual? Yeah. And it stumps people. They don't know how to answer that. I, think, I don't think I ever decided. 
So they're just trying to say that this is something that you're heterosexual from birth and it's other people who are homosexual from birth or gay from birth or lesbian. And so we're all different. So why are you trying to attack me for something which is almost genetic, but they don't even argue it's genetic anymore. They don't argue there's any genetic cause for this. But it's because because genetics is about facts. It's about Mm. the biology to try. And it's embarrassing that this was even a question for a moment. Mm. It's embarrassing as a from a science background. It's embarrassing that scientists would seriously actually research into the reality of Mm. socially constructed social norms and customs. It's almost as absurd as somebody looking at a five pound note under a microscope and thinking, I wonder why this is half the value of a 10 pound note. <laughs> yeah, these have no reality outside yeah, of yeah. culture. They're made up by culture. Yes. They're made up by people. That's why I said to those kids, yeah. I said, look, money is the kind of textbook example of a social construct. Money doesn't have real mm. kind of intrinsic real value. But we all as a society, we get together and say, you know what, mm. we're going to treat this as twice the value of that. Yeah. It's created by our culture, like an agreement. Now, if one culture has this historical context that led to the creation of these artificial categories, gay and straight, so I'm not being homophobic or ever, excuse me of being homophobic, excuse me of being heterophobic as well, because I'm throwing out all of these labels. I thought we're not supposed to use these terms. <laughs> exactly. That, so you can't just, so if one society came up yeah. with some made up norms and social contracts for whatever reason, then it's fair enough. They can use them, of course. They can even argue that others should use them, but they Mm. shouldn't force people to accept them. Mm. Or, pardon the pun, try to sneak it through Mm. the back door to basically just imagine it's just there. This is the, this is the, this is, unfortunately, this is too common when it comes to, I'll just say white supremacy. This white supremacist discourses that just presume the accidentally inherited cultural norms, practices of white Westerners, Anglo-American mm. in particular, they presume those just to be universal truths that, that everyone else must yield to. Yeah, but It's interesting that, for example, the Westerner will go to some place like India and they'll say, look, the way you label people based upon certain characteristics, say that person's untouchable. Yeah? yeah, He's on the lowest scale of society and that person's Brahmin. And then above that is other categories as well. And, and so they will say, look, how can you categorize people based on something which has realities? It's unjust. But they'll, in their own countries, they'll use these same labels. Yeah. And one of the things I was thinking about was they say, they argue that, that what they call sexuality, yeah. who, are, who you are attracted to, is something which is fixed. But then they say there's a continuum between what they call heterosexual and homosexual. And they say all the space between those two extremes are fluid. Yeah. So, on the, so, how, so on the one hand, you say it's fixed. This but is then exactly on the other hand, expect. it's fluid. This is exactly what you would expect if people start to unravel, pull, the, pull on the strings and the threads of a social construct. Mm. Exactly what you would expect. And this is the basic consensus is amongst queer theorists, for example, mm. Who study this they, the development of this label these artificial labels of called sexuality mm. and so forth this is exactly what you're expecting this is the, one of the central dogmas of queer theory which is it is this is all made up this is what the q stands for mm. according to many the queer is actually a rejection of lgbt as categories as mm. well right but be- because of the political angle and the expediency and alliances and so forth they lump together but the es- essence of queerness is to actually do what I'm saying and mm. to question and get rid of these categories. Yes, but the thing is, they'll have to get rid of these categories because they argue 
that a man who's attracted to a man is called a gay person, isn't it? Yeah. But the thing is, the transgender ideology says that gender doesn't actually exist. So you can't say a man is attracted to a man because that cancels out the right of a person who doesn't identify based on any gender. And that's another question, gender as well. So you've got sexuality, sexual orientation on one side, which is about, which is making real something around sexual attraction. And then there's the gender issue. So on the one hand, they say sexual orientation is real. Yeah. And then they say your biological sex is assigned at birth. It's not actually real. So the one thing that has got some biology attached to it is not real, but the thing you made up is real. Yeah. This all goes down to the same issue, which is the crux of it is what spreading white Western cultural norms as though they are universal facts about matter and existence. How does somebody, for example, make the determination that they are a man or masculine or feminine? It's what by looking at white western stereotypes of what it means to be a man or a woman or they like pink or they like dresses or they like dolls guess what in another culture that's that might be a manly thing to do yeah. they want to walk down the street holding hands mm. that's it that's happened all the yes. time amongst men in the middle yes. east before this encroachment of white western norms yeah uh, and imposition on the entire world basically and that's interesting because that's what they say when for example a young girl says look i don't like the color pink I don't like yeah. dolls, yeah, and I prefer football, yeah. So that must mean I'm a boy. Or a boy says I don't really like the color blue. I prefer pink. I don't like the manly type activities of football, or sports. I hate yeah. that, yeah. And I prefer other things like talking to my friends, like girls do. So I feel like I'm in the wrong body. Yeah. So based upon certain cultural ideas of what a man and a woman is, or what a boyish yeah. things are, what girlish things are, they make determinations based on that. Exactly. And, and they're not is, universal as yeah, well. This is unfortunately this is arrogance of white supremacy to assume that our accidentally inherited cultural norms are the standard mm. for every human, yes. every society, cross cultural, cross time, space. This is the reality. This is what is. Rather than just what happened, we what we happen to have stumbled upon, yeah. which is what every an intelligent person, intelligent culture should do, yeah. rather than impose it on uh, on others. Yeah, right? yeah. And in terms of gender, for example, one of the brothers, who's a deputy head teacher, he said something really interesting. He said, when whenever so he's seen single sex schools and mm. mixed schools as yeah. well, both of them. He said, when you have boys and girls in separate schools, mm. you begin to see a whole diversity of expressions of that, call it gender, sex, whatever, yeah? So girls, for example, in a girls' school, you'll have some girls that like football, rugby, and mm. all kinds of... And you'll have the girls that like knitting or mm. whatever the stereotypes are, right? Netball. And you'll have a huge variety. Yeah. Likewise with boys in boys' schools. But when you mix them, naturally what happens is they tend to aggregate around the stereotypes mm. of what it means to be a girl and what it means to be a boy. So all of that diversity has collapsed. And I don't know what the kind of anthropological, you know, maybe that needs to be studied or something, but that just shows that naturally there's an element, people are different. And this is your upbringing, this is your, maybe your genes, or your cultural norms, or the literature you read as a child, your, maybe, and just accidentally you stumbled upon something and you liked it, whatever. But all of these things contribute to your, your character and personality. The problem is these inherited artificial constructs being imposed on others. And one of them is the, the magical, some kind of magical spirit inside you called sexuality or homosexuality or heterosexuality or whatever. Again, we should throw this out mm. and say, excuse me, I don't believe in this. Mm. Yeah, I don't believe in your beliefs. 
Yeah. I'm not imposing my beliefs on you. I'd like to you not to impose your beliefs on me. That's one. And another is, okay, relation, this quagmire of gender and sex and all that kind of stuff. Be very simple. For us Muslims, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I would say don't even use the word gender. Yeah. Some people have accepted and say, look, you know, Muslims, we believe two genders and that kind of stuff. Personally, mm-hmm. I believe it's easier if you just say, look, you can have all mm-hmm. of this messy conversation if you want. But for us, for Muslims, we don't have a notion of stereotypes of what it means to be a man or a woman. These things we leave up to cultural norms for part of it, right? You know, these principles in, in, in Islamic law, right? That something which is an, a cultural norm, it has legislative weight for you, right? So if you're in a society where something is deemed normal and something is deemed taboo, don't go out of your way to indulge in the taboo, cause those social rifts and so forth. Mm. So likewise, Islam accepts that in some societies, yeah, there are certain norms that are for women and certain norms for men. Islam say, wherever you are, try to conform, right? Try to, with those things that you have a choice of, conform to those things which you are. If you are a man, this is a biological fact, right? Mm. Do as men do, right? If you're a woman, do as women do. Okay. Now it may be that in, in one society, at one time and place, it's masculine to wear a dress in Scotland or... So are you saying that we can wear a dress then? Yeah, so no, uh, what is a dress? Like a thobe, yeah. whatever, yeah? Or yeah. a kameez or something. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's, uh, a white Westerner will call that a dress. So when in Rome, do as the Romans do, yeah? From that perspective. But over here, going around wearing a dress, maybe, yeah, unless it's identifiable that this is a thobe, whatever. Do you get what I mean? The yeah, point yeah, is, yeah. descended on a, from a tablet that <clears throat> yeah. thou must wear a dress. Yes. And if thy, thy wears a dress, then thou must yes. shalt be a woman. Yeah, right? yeah. This is the attitude that's running through all of this LGBT narrative. Yeah, That our way of doing stuff, our way of categorizing people, our way of defining human nature, our way of talking, defining the, what, what love is, our way of defining mm-hmm. what gender is or what this gender is and what that gender is, that these are the standards that everyone has to yield to, right? Now, this is hard to get across. Like you've been trying it for years. The point is we need ways to mm-hmm. distill it into different lengths of time. We need the five second, one second soundbite, like meaningless platitudes like love is love, yeah? All the way to, we don't do propaganda, but we're, what we're doing is countering that propaganda right mm-hmm. because all we need to do is get people to realize what certain truth claims and facts about mm-hmm. life about themselves so the best thing we can do is get someone to realize the power that their cultural background has on them and their beliefs mm-hmm. once you get that person to recognize that that's a much easier person to deal with they'll be more tolerant they'll be less you know uh, abusive to muslims who dare to reject mm-hmm. their beliefs and fail to yield to yeah. their inheritance of these cultural norms and stuff one of the things i think we're going to talk about in a little while is how it almost empowering some children to be able to advocate our perspective in environments where the response is like you say automatically teachers start to label children homophobic yeah. Yeah. for just saying something divergent from what their sexual orthodoxy is yeah. so, so you say need, well, like i said we need these small statements mm. we need the answer that a, a student must do and it's sad mm. that a muslim child has to be the one to tell a white teacher that something to shake them out of mm. their drunken state yeah. or actually getting them say sir excuse me what you're saying what you're doing is imposing your 
cultural yeah. norms on me. And many teachers see that. People yeah. don't realize that. People don't recognize that. Yeah. The things that they believe, most of them, if not all of those, are products of their cultural upbringing. Mm. Certain cultural norms that have crept in that they feel are facts about reality that everyone has to yield to. Yeah. So this is the first thing I would say, for example, a very quick soundbite of someone to say is, excuse me, sir, please don't impose mm. your cultural norms and your social constructs of sexuality on me. And for further details, listen to the podcast by Yusuf. <laughs> but I think sometimes even teachers, you expect teachers to be much more searching and inquiring about these issues and they don't know about these things. They think that we're here to protect those people in schools who want to identify as gay and therefore we need to protect them from those people who are bigots. I come across examples where Muslim children say things like, why am I learning this? It goes against my faith. And because of that, just mm. saying something as innocent as that is seen as homophobic and they get detention. There's some backlash against part that. part of it is, look, remember this video going around of some, it was actually a white kid as well. And just saying, but I, there's, I don't agree with this gender and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And the teacher was shouting out and giving me detention or whatever. Be because our children have been told, I have been given... Mm. Certain allowable expressions mm. to to articulate their resistance, and that's not enough. It's like you're going into a boxing match with someone, and literally they're giving you they're saying here are the gloves that you can use, mm. ten kilograms each. Mm. You can't even lift your arms properly. Yeah, not to give like a belligerent, violent uh, mm. <laughs> metaphor or anything, but the point is, they said, oh, you disagree with this drag mm. queen coming? Here are the terms that you can use. You can say gender. You don't believe. There's more than two genders, for example. Yeah, you, you can't actually utter what your real objective is, i.e. why is a man dressed like a woman? Mm -hmm. you, the language of resistance will give you. And this is where we get into problems. This is what yeah. I'm saying. We need our own language of resistance. Don't take the language of, because, like I said, if you accept beliefs, right? For example, that human beings, that there's some magical quality in, mm -hmm. inside you called sexuality. If you accept this, then you're only allowed to be one of two people, the homophobe, the intolerant bigot, and the enlightened ally. Mm. Guess which, if a teacher's not, or anyone is not critical enough to recognize that, they're not going to want to be a, a bigoted person. And, and they, the way they see the Muslim child is through Orientalism and the racism that this whole belief system popped up or gave birth to, yeah. right? Which is, oh yeah, of course, these are the foreign dehumanized, uncivilized people worthy of reparative violence worthy of redeeming violence some kind of harm some kind mm. of necessary harshness displayed onto them in order to redeem them in order to make them like us yeah in order to fashion them into our image to civilize savages to all of the, that stuff all of these tropes come into play like these videos that we've been seeing mm. around of white teachers shouting at uh, brown mm. kids saying effectively go and live someone else if you don't like it yeah look at here the thing i wanted to talk about is why do we keep saying white yeah because it's not just white faces that mm. are championing this right they mm. show brown and black faces that identify as lgbt and netflix and billboards and so forth so why do you keep using white mm. right? so that's an important question and I don't okay okay we'll come back and answer that question okay. support us to make high quality content for Muslim parents, including this podcast, by supporting us through our Patreon account. Details are in the 
details are in the episode description. Jazakum Allah khairan. So, Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. So, before the Maghrib break, we were you were talking about talking about the fact that this originates from like a white discourse, and you wanted yeah. to clarify why you're using this term white discourse or the word white in this. Yeah, discussion. I mean, some people say why don't you just say European, and then the short answer is that is I regard ourselves as European as well, right? So European, Europeness or Europeanness, I feel that should be open to more people in different cultures and stuff just to say this is a white thing these are white social norms contracts and so forth it doesn't mean every white person believes mm. in it obviously the, the point is it came from a white western christian white western history and stuff and yeah some so some of the biggest critics are white people and in fact some of the biggest critics are white people who engage in same-sex behavior and so forth right but the point is you can i'd much rather have someone or engage with someone who in their private life they engage in whatever they engage mm. in but they don't force you to believe in basically white uh, social contracts and norms and beliefs and so forth so the real problem for me is just to reiterate it's one people forcing their cultural norms beliefs mm. their ideals that they've just accidentally absolutely in accidentally mm. inherited by dint of where they were born and so forth they're imposing those on others right it's really important to to recognize this as well that it says if somebody uh, uh, th there are people who uh, dispute concerning Allah yeah or just argue about Allah sharia whatever he Allah's against without knowledge without guidance and without an illuminating mm. book yeah uh, but is when it's said to them, follow what Allah mm. has sent down, they say, no, we'll just follow what we found our forefathers following. Mm. Yeah. Now, this is again and again, a kind of uh, just remember ayat like these, right? Because this is one people forcing another people to mm. accept their just inherited cultural norms and mm. beliefs, right? The crux of the belief is that human beings are individuated, categorized, these discrete permanent rigid categories that are just, just some magically present and magically kind of conveniently match up to the inherited norms called sexuality this is something we disagree with not just lgbt not just les bisexual gay transgender these made up terms but also the straightness and mm. heterosexuality these made up terms as well so we should put all of that aside and say okay if you want to believe in that fair enough you can believe in it but don't force me to believe in that now when you frame it like this what can the other person do the other person either can double down and say, no, my uh, belief is actually the reality, mm -hmm. is actually, you know, what the universe is and you have to accept it. But when you force them to put it that way, mm -hmm. maybe something will wake up inside them and they'll recognize that, okay, wait a second, how much effort have I put into actually critiquing this just uh, absorbed belief, right? Or they'll say, you know what, you're right, I disagree with you, a Muslim or whatever, but... Yeah, to use your way to me's mind. So th the problem is, and this going back to kind of white supremacy, right? Western Europe, especially Anglo-American kind of philosophical antecedents, right? The, the milieu that it came out of, it's historically always had a problem with dealing with differences of opinion and mm. dissent and heretics who disagrees or challenges or even highlights that hey wait a second we're just peddling this made mm -hmm. up these made up constructs and masquerading them as beliefs about the universe and mm -hmm. human nature and love culture and all these types of things 
for enforcing one people's cultural norms or another. People who bring this up are seen as heretics. And what do you do with the heretics in the Western tradition? You persecute them, of course. Burn them. Right? Mm. So they don't have this healthy idea of how to actually genuinely tolerate genuine difference mm -hmm. of opinion. So toleration and diversity for, sadly, for the West tends to be what we don't care how you look, but as long as you think like us, yeah, you have to think like us. You have to have our cultural norms, our ideas, our values. Mm -hmm. You could philosophize about this all day. Why is this the case? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's because they don't have any tethering. There's no tethering to anything uh, objective. Yeah. But, so, it, but isn't there almost a level of supremacy there? That they believe that's why their values and ideas are far greater than the ideas of the brown people. Absolutely. Even though they won't maybe phrase it like that, but essentially they believe that their civilization is far superior to any other civilization in the world. It, it, yeah, that's obviously that, that's the obvious white supremacy. But the subtle white supremacy is our norms and our culture and values are the default position. Mm. They won't say these are superior. They're just, this is how it is. Mm. This is what life is like. Yeah, this is what you're supposed to do. This is just mm -hmm. normal, right? And this is what this is the difference between a norm and kind of uh, trying to push and beat someone. I'm more than happy with someone to try and persuade us using mm -hmm. argument, logic, some kind of basis that you can argue from. But just to kind of force a belief down someone's throat and try to avoid any mm -hmm. critique of it, that's what we're disagreeing yeah. with here. So if a parent, for example, I realize this is hard to digest let alone kind of repeat to a child or something but if a parent is dealing with a school teacher or whatever or a child is dealing with someone who's forcing these upon us or upon them then the first thing is to try to get them to realize that we don't believe in your beliefs mm. that human beings are separated across this magical term called sexuality or sexual orientation or the various derivatives of it mm. and this is something that even non-Muslim, this is something queer theory is based on, mm. <laughs> it's built on. It's nothing that non-Muslim historians that have a degree of respect for academic rigor and truth and just just history being fair and just, that they'll, they've even charted how this, this hegemony, this hegemonic discourse, this forcing of these constructs on other mm. people, how it came about. And there's no me talking about it, writing about it, it's just reinventing the wheel. There's not more than enough people who are far more qualified than mm. I am to who've charted this and in meticulous detail shown mm. how these qualities, sexuality as a somatic fact, it was created out of, out of nothing pretty much. Mm. And its derivatives, heterosexuality, homosexuality, yeah, these are made up terms and they have their baggage. Mm. That's why we should say thanks but no thanks, we don't use this. We have our own paradigm now that's the issue mm -hmm. now what should parents tell their children for example what is yeah. our paradigm what is our answer to these questions of who is a human being what, what is he or she what is a, is a relationship with between them and desire and mm. human identity what is the purpose of human's life what is the purpose of what is love yeah mm. what is a marriage what's the purpose of reproduction so on all the all these types of questions we have our own answers for that from our own tradition from our and at least it's tethered yeah it's not something that just yeah. can change with the wind. And that's a very interesting point. Sometimes when parents discuss these things with their children, they almost discuss it from the perspective of what we don't believe, or they discuss it from, yeah. from a deficit perspective. Like they're talking about some, these people believe that, we don't believe that, and they, they don't start to build really within children what we yeah. believe initially, what are our paradigms, what are our belief systems around these issues. Yeah. So and the first stage is, this is something they do. Just like we would say, we don't maybe every... 
a kid probably our age probably had that awkward conversation mm. with our parents said they're serving this stuff at school these uh, bacon sausages or whatever yeah. do we eat that and this parent said no that they eat that we don't eat that yes right that's the first kind of point that distinction yeah this is but, something but with that as well when we were growing up the yeah. way that, that that almost the hatred for bacon or the hatred for pork and pork products yeah was built was because of the fact that it was it was spoken about in terms of real this disgusting yeah. don't so every time i was at university I remember first when i was in a halls residence with other non-muslims and i would go in the kitchen and i could tell like from a mile away if they were making bacon and I would have to stay in my room until they finished because it's so, the smell yeah. was so horrible. You have, horrible. Bit, you have yeah? yeah. But so the issue is, first of all, there's a, there's an issue of parents wanting to build a negativity about those types of relationships, but they feel that fear that yeah. if I do that, then I'm going to be labeled yeah. bigger or him. So we have to be careful. What are we telling our kids? Remember I said, we don't say to your kids. Yes. Homosexuality is haram. Yeah, Heterosexuality yeah. is wajib. Yeah. That's the worst thing you could do yeah. because you're, you're, you're putting a label in front of your head that everything they taught you at school is yeah. correct and I am this type of person. And because because you only have two characters. But, but even that. if they don't say that, but even if they say, I just say, look, they say it's the people who do this act of Kamilud, it's disgusting. Yeah. No? Not just the act. Yeah. We should go back and say, look, we don't believe in these yeah. categories. Yes. Gay, straight, this, that. These are foreign categories. They were yes. made up. They have no reality in the human body. Now, what do we believe? So this is something mm. they, other people might believe in, yeah? And they might, just like some might believe they're a Jedi, they mm. identify as Jedis or whatever, right? You're not mm. going to start arguing about that. So can a Muslim be a Jedi? Yes or no? No. But they, can, they can be a Gaytheist. So you're introducing the term that we want to spread, Gaytheism, yeah? Yeah. But, so a disbelief in these categories and, and cultural constructs. Right? Yes. But, so that's the first stage to say, look, this is something we don't believe. What do we believe in? Now, a human being is made of various intertwined realities, right? We have our Islamic metaphysics, mm. right? We have our, our notion of the human being that there's the bodily aspect, which is similar to animals. There's the ruh, there's the kind of angelic mm. qualities, right? There's something that you can, a spiritual, an otherworldly element to us. There's the aql, right? Mm. There's the thing that restrains our primitive and Drives, material yeah. impulses and so forth, right? So... The problem with the knock-on consequences, the knock-on effects of believing in these constructs of gay, straight mm. and, and all that kind of stuff and having them so powerful that they define your very identity is you're creating and you're perpetuating, right? Human beings being governed by the most primal mm. part, primitive parts of their brain and central nervous system, mm. right? sex drive and related kind of stuff this is not what humans are mm. humans are right according to the Islamic paradigm we are complex creatures that are attracted to beauty mm. wherever we find it and attraction does not equate sexual lust and then kind of fetishization mm. of these types of things so we're not governed by our primitive mm. material impulses rather we find it a virtue to suppress them. Go an entire month in the year, just depriving those primitive impulses, their satiation, right? The food, drink, sexual intercourse, yeah, yeah. so we have a completely different idea about the human being, what he or she is made of, the purpose of life, the purpose of their desires, and all these types of things. So to collapse all of that and to impose 
just the existence of something called gay or straight or lesbian or whatever this is necessarily imposing and undermining all of what actually makes us muslim forget all of that you need to accept these social mm. constructs that we accidentally inherited and and just happen to have stumbled across and been bequeathed by victorians or nietzsche or karl marx or mm. sigmund freud or whoever all the people involved in the, in in this kind of the just one one kind of domino leading mm. to another and this is where we are but we muslims we have to f- tell people we don't have this baggage we don't have these beliefs mm. we don't have these social constructs we don't have these norms we don't define a human being by the most primitive mm. aspects of their any n- neuron firing or misfiring in the most primitive parts of their brain and central yeah. nervous system that's yeah. not who you are but that, that's way deeper than that but that's an interesting thing that if, if we were to do away with all these labels and somehow almost within the whole world like white people's memory and then people like came together again and would say okay how do we identify ourselves who somebody's attracted to would probably be the last thing people would yeah. think about as being a way of identifying oneself but i think it's important to know and i think you've mentioned it before but that this whole idea of of identifying yourself based upon sexual feelings and desires and attractions comes from as it comes from very western struggle for rights that from people who wanted to the right to to yeah. express their sexual white desires western. yeah white western right. like, and obviously this didn't take the same struggle for rights didn't happen in africa didn't happen in asia didn't happen in most of south america it happened in small parts yeah. of the western world the minority of the world yeah but then that that right for certain people to live their life in a certain way then was forced upon other people transposed into other people you have to then follow our idea of what civilized is and what identity is yeah and even if you think with this idea of conversion therapy that some people that if they struggle with their desires and they want some counseling they want some support to move yeah. away from that and the argument is that no these are fixed parts of who you are these can't be changed so nobody can bro- be- brothers who have experienced same sex attractions at one point in life or not or, mm. or another what they've said that they felt that they were being coerced yeah the yeah. person who's on the other end of that therapy session is saying no you are gay this yes. is who you are they're yeah. like i don't want to accept these made up terms yeah. no, you have to accept yeah. this yeah yeah right they think they're like i'm feel like i'm being coerced yes. here, right yeah. this is the power of this is white but that's not conversion therapy conversion therapy is only yeah. one way so but that's fun that we shouldn't we should be against conversion therapies practice in the west as yes. well because what is what are they converting you to Yeah. taking you from one made up category changing into another made up yes. category we don't agree with these categories yeah. at all yeah. right the whole point is to get someone to recognize where these feelings came from and they're, they're different from different people but you can work past them because that's mm. what you do that's the actual science behind the human being and your central nervous system everything can be rewired we just need to work out the keys to unlocking your neuroplasticity and yeah. everything about your character if you're still alive your character your personality your desires your likes your dislikes everything can change mm, yes. this goes contrary to the zeitgeist yeah, yeah. the hegemonic narrative that no there's a magical quality inside yes. you that you just have yes. to let yes. loose yeah. you might believe that and you have your historical dominoes that led yeah, yeah. for you to believing that we don't share that we deal with what is what yes. is the- and that's an interesting point that you mentioned about 
that this is the one thing that can't change. We're told that you can be whoever you want to be, but apart yeah. from this, you can't change. You can change anything. <laughs> so it's interesting. I was in a, like in an event with some parents, and I said, look, just to highlight the same point. Say, if you are, for example, an Android user, can you convert to an Apple user? Yeah, and some it's people say, progress. Said, <laughs> <laughs> some people say, some people say, yeah, that, that's possible. Can you change from being a Liverpool supporter to Man United supporter? And they'll say, no, <laughs> with difficulty. But yeah, it's possible. And we went through like 20 examples of things you can change from one thing from another. You can even change from being a Muslim to being a non-Muslim. You can reject Islam. Not that it's a good thing, but it's possible. Because these things are not fixed things, is it? You go to sleep a Muslim, wake up a non-Muslim. The idea that can change because these things are not... They're not biological realities. They're things that you have to fight for and believe in and, and almost nurture within you. The one thing you can't change in the whole of society is your, what they call sexuality. Yeah. You can't change from being what they consider gay to, to what they consider this why, straight. This is why it's a hegemonic discourse, is this white supremacy. It's giving you, it's forcing you to accept the terms of your own resistance. Yeah, mm. Here's what you can do. We'll let you mm. disagree with these parts of our beliefs, but you can't yes. touch those parts of our beliefs. And that's what we're fundamentally against. Yes. And it's interesting because I remember this, there was a debate a long time ago with Peter Tatchell, you know, this <coughs> activist who was in Qatar recently to, to self-publicise. And he, he was, uh, someone asked him the question, because it was a discussion between Muslims and him, yeah? And one of the questions was, if you argue that same-sex sexual actions are sinful, does that make you, in your view, what you consider to be homophobic? And at that time he said, and this was like maybe seven, eight years ago, and he said, no, you can believe that, that'd be fine. You ask him that same question today, and he will say, yes, it does. Mm -hmm. Goals have shifted so much that you can't hold a contrary view to that dominant view. Because at that stage, the ideas that these things hadn't been, hadn't penetrated society in the way they have now and become so like absolute. Yeah. You believe this yeah. or you don't believe that. So it's really interesting how that discourse has changed. But... I think the underlying thing is the same. It's been the same for a thousand years. Yes. Yeah? That is my way or the highway. The antecedents of Western tradition that, that have succeeded in, in, in carving out what it means to be mm. a Westerner have always had this problem with dealing with heretic, dealing with the infidel, dealing with the extremist, dealing with the person who differs from us. They have to be eliminated or they have to be persecuted, they have to be silenced or they have to be converted. Yes. But it's interesting how even uh, I was reading about how, how the, the, this way people say, for example, that you see, they say, we see homosexuality in the animal kingdom. Yeah. So using these made up labels to project their own worldview upon animals. So they see animals like they see, they say they, they, they were observers who were wildlife observers who went out in, into the wilds and saw giraffes and they observed from afar their behavior. And they saw two male giraffes rubbing their necks together. Yeah. Yeah. And automatically they assume this is sexual. This is a sexual, this is a sign of homosexuality in the animal kingdom. Even this example, there's this book that exists in, in the, lots of the schools. Penguins. Yeah, it's called Antango Makes Three. And it's supposed to be based upon a true story. And it's from New York, yeah, which is the most liberal place in America. So the zookeeper sees these two penguins that are not mating. Because obviously they're in an artificial environment. Yeah, yeah? And this is an apt example of this whole artificial paradigm this, they're in an artificial environment where there aren't enough mates female mates for the yeah. male penguins so they've got enough to do so they start to kick around a, a pebble and so the, the liberal zookeeper yeah. interprets that to mean that they want to they want to nurture an egg so they give them an egg they the egg hatches mm -hmm. 
and now they're a family. This, so they use this in schools to say, this is natural within the animal kingdom. So what's the problem? Why have you got a problem with it in the, it, it, within humans? But one thing they don't talk about in that story was one of the penguins, yeah, yeah. Uh, Silo, decides to mate with a female penguin. And the way gay rights activists argue that, they say that it's the penguin was bisexual. So it's, uh, first of all, there was no sexual contact between those penguins, but they still assume that they were gay. And then they start to argue that they're bisexual. But this idea that we, when we hear, like, when we see people, especially so some Muslims, for example, who identify as Muslim and identify as gay as well. Yeah. And if they, if someone pre presents to them, and I saw this discussion today, someone presents to them, look, what you're doing is wrong. Yeah. And obviously Muslims will say homosexuality is a sin, which is obviously the, incorrectly put anyway. Yeah. But their response, his response to that, the person's response to that is gay people have existed for over a, a millennia. Yeah. And therefore we are people that have always existed. Yeah. As though that's a justification. This is why it's key to use brown and black faces and yeah. brown looking faces to perpetuate this. Yes. This is white supremacy at its finest. Yeah. To but, take yeah. something which is unique and made up in a yes. very particular context in colonial modernity and back project it, mm. pose it onto others yeah. today and in history as well. That, oh yeah, this, our norms and our beliefs, they're actually facts about the universe. Yes. But even those people who look at those relationships like a thousand years ago, if you go back a thousand years ago, even queer theorists will say that's not, that doesn't conform yeah. to our understanding of what homosexuality of course, of course. is today. Yeah? That's the difference between something created by culture yeah. and how human beings interact and social norms and customs yes. and, For example, and your body yes. and your, your reality. Who identifies as gay yes. today they have a hundred million sperm cells yes. fiendishly looking for an egg to fertilize. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not about your cells and your body. Yes. This is a, a cultural product. Yeah. It's not my quote, by the way. Someone, I just heard it <laughs> a few years ago and I thought this is a, this is a really good way to summarize this whole issue. But it's one people imposing their beliefs, mm. their cultural norms, their social constructs mm. on another people which is unacceptable yeah again that belief is what the belief of humans being individuated separated and categorized across these magical categories mm. called gay straight homosexual heterosexual all of these things we disbelieve in them mm. that's why we are gay theists yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, so it would be equally anti-straight as label yes because that they the two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Just in case someone might ask, you know, because so, some people but talk about that straight idea. Even some Muslims will say, look, that you have this phenomenon of the gay pride, which is like all over the country now in all the major cities. And in response to that, we should almost create something like a straight pride, yeah, as a response to that to say that we. That's need what they want. <laughs> because what does that mean? That means you've accepted it. Yes. Yes. And. It, 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 I think the reality is that when I was reading about the origin of the word homosexual, the first use, I was looking at the first use of this word came about in like Prussian territories yeah. in the 1860s, where a person who identified as gay, a person who had same-sex attraction, argued that we need a word, because at, at that time, the words that were used to describe people who were involved in same-sex relationships were sodomites, yeah? and there were anti-sodomy laws, and they didn't like this term. So he, the first use of this term was by him in a letter that later got published after he died, and he talked about homosexuality. But on the, in that, by the same token, he invented the word heterosexuality at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Heterosexuality came after. Yeah. Um, it was invented yeah. after homosexuality yes. Obviously, <laughs> as a construct. Yeah. Right? So again, we disbelieve in all of these. Right? Yeah. 
I mean, I think Foucault puts it really nicely when he, in the history of sexuality. He says, and again, this is someone who was, who I don't know if he identified as, as homosexual, but people would call him a homosexual. Mm. Yeah? He died of AIDS, catching AIDS mm. from that kind of uh, yeah. lifestyle and those activities. But even but he's he has a, a commitment to critiquing mm. the, the hegemony and the, the, the injustice of people just imposing this on others. He said the turn... The switch that went off in people's heads and society and our norms was when a temporary aberration became a species. Yeah, when the sodomite became the homosexual. Because sodomy is what before that people were it still wasn't ideal, obviously, but there was a tussle, right? The battle for like the soul of what the West believes in, mm. Victorian England or Anglo America, what believes in this, and it was either okay, do we describe realities, the reality of the situation in terms of okay the facts, or do we create this term right imbue it with all this mystical meaning because it's drawing on all the mystery and all of the spiritual kind of hocus pocus of so many different things from paganism to the christian confessional tradition that there's some kind of mysterious thing inside you that it just has to come out it has to come to fruition this atelian kind of dualism of mind and body and something else Right, and the body is eventually seen as negative and so forth. Anyway, the point is, before that point, it's what many Muslims consider when, when they say words like homosexual or homosexuality. Mm-hmm. They're talking about facts, acts, actions, so forth. But that's not what the wider discourse, the wider society, the people who wrote the rules of this game, that's not what they mean. That's why, for example, you won't find it in, in still in fields that deal with facts and they have to deal with facts like medicine mm. medicine if you accept these types of uh, this quality or this mm. type of phrase not magical kind of qualities about the person. so yeah. what do the medics what's the term that medics doctors and nurses and sort of healthcare professionals what do they use they use msm yeah men who have sex with men yeah because this is an actual fact mm. so homosexuality even heterosexuality again i'm not being mm. homophobic or whatever i'm e- equally against people identifying as straight yeah right because it has a whole load of other issues as well, maybe in a future future yeah. podcast. But just to, going back to that point, really interesting about how people who deal with facts portray these things. And I think it's interesting because my my son was in like, he's home educated and he was in an online class. It was a biology class actually, and they were talking about how many calories does a man need, how many calories does a woman need. And so somebody asked the question, what happens with a transgender woman or transgender man? Yes. Do they do their calories shift with them or do they stay the same? <laughs> may, actually, they may have stumbled upon actually a definition of something. And now. actually, it was really interesting yeah, because the teacher was a bit shocked and I think she wasn't prepared for that question. And, and she was saying, your biological sex determines the amount of calories, whether you change to a man or change to a woman or whatever. It doesn't, that doesn't make any difference to your calorific intake for a man or a woman. And then she was saying, but really, and so she, she, to make it soft, she said, oh, this is quite an interesting topic. Maybe we'll discuss it sometime, this idea of, of gender. And I was thinking, why would you in a biology class discuss that? Yeah. yeah? But it's just the way there's a pressure to not feel be transphobic yeah to not be the thing that they say is evil like jk rowling she says something about women she's transphobic and she's cancelled and she can never appear with us we're we're the hip progressive people we don't want to associate with her but this idea that even in areas of life which are factually based there's almost a there's a push for this ideology to have impact 
the way people perceive facts. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was a really interesting conversation. I said well, to my wife, we need to write to the teacher and say, actually, your answer was right. And you don't need to talk about gender studies. This yeah. is biology, not gender studies is a is a social science based upon interpretation yeah. and based upon certain so values. philosophizing stuff, yeah. right? But yeah. You have to draw the line where, okay, these are facts, yeah? You have a person, he said, whatever he identifies as, mm. yeah? He had the certain facts about his body yes. that are that we can objectively verify yeah. and so forth. And gayness and straightness isn't one of them. Yes. But talking about this idea of what they con- the construct agenda that they have. Yeah. I was watching this YouTube video, this man, he goes around on the street of, streets of London and he asks people a question and people are st- people don't know the answer. And it's a simple mm. question. He asks, what is a woman? Oh yeah, yeah I've seen that. And yeah. people say, I don't want to answer that question yeah, on, on camera. Oh, well, that's a difficult one. And it's like... You're asking them that, like how to solve a complex equation or something yeah. like it's something like really difficult, and uh, and people don't want to answer. There's one man who started to answer. His friend said, "No, no, don't answer that question." It's almost as if you're not allowed to answer this sort of question. And it's really interesting how how much this whole discourse has affected the way people answer simple questions. I had this book that, that I got from Amazon where it talks about gender identity, and it says in that book that when children are born. They're assigned a sex by the doctor. And what that means is that the doctor guesses their sex. And then later on, the child embraces their true gender. And so as if one is like just a rough guess. Oh, is that a boy or a girl? I'm not sure. Oh, we just say it's a boy. Yeah. Can you and see it, the echoes of the Christian tradition and white Western Christianity yeah. in here? Yeah. That this mystical quality inside you that's waiting to come out. Yes. Yeah. This is the but, same. But this whole idea, the whole, also the whole idea that that you can change who you are these are quirks of birth and the thing is when people argue that there's that the difference between men and women is about sexual organs they say no we shouldn't reduce it to sexual organs yeah but actually men and women are different in a thousand different ways yeah, yeah? to in, in not just necessarily at a chromosomal level i was looking at a study that talks about the differences between men and women men, women have got a more acute sense of smell than men yeah mm. there could be a smell in a flat a couple walk in the woman smells it and the man says no i can't smell anything <laughs> the idea of color yeah generally women have a better perception of the differences between the, certain colors the, there's actually i forgot if it was in the 90s or the mm. 2000s there was actually um I don't know if it's a law or like yeah. just a, a law kind of that had to be passed. Yeah. Actually let scientists yeah. distinguish between men and women in, in studies, mm-hmm. neuro- neuroscience studies. Yeah. But before that point, there was there, it was all mixed up because yeah. equality and e- equality kind of ideology and stuff yeah. from an ideological perspective. This is the problem. This is why science isn't neutral. Mm-hmm. It's always impacted by social norms, customs, yeah. politics, yeah. ideology. And so after that was done, you have this explosion in the peer-reviewed literature of research mm-hmm. of just how different men and yeah, women are, yeah. right? Because they're allowed to finally look at women as women and men as men. And the, and the, we're finding more and more mm. shocking kind of thing, facts about this. But, uh, but also this is idea, and it's, it's a completely wrong equivalence, that this idea that just because you find differences between men and women, that almost assumes that men are better than women or women are better than men. So we shouldn't, we should find similarities between men and women because the whole feminist discourse is about women wanting to become not just like men, but be men. Yeah. Yeah. And so nothing that a man can do, a woman can't do. And this devaluing of motherhood, the devaluing of that status that we can only be successful if you're in the office getting paid by a boss 
rather than being at the home answering to your husband. Some fat shareholder, better <laughs> some way by being a cog, being yeah. a corporate donkey. But this, but the thing is, one and I was speaking to somebody the other day about it. So one of the things our children do not understand, yeah. Because you can't celebrate how good the light is unless you experience the dark, yeah? You can't experience the good unless you can truly conceptualize the bad, yeah? You can't understand how empty the lives of people here because they don't have any clear anchor to any fixed rules. Rather, everything's changing every day. Nobody knows where they stand, yeah? Things are good one day, it's cancelled the next, yeah? yeah? The idea that we have this deen that gives us a sense of almost clarity about yeah. how we should live our lives. But sometimes because our children are born in that reality, they don't necessarily yeah. uh, understand how much pride that you have in Islam. Yeah, Absolutely. The pressure that Muslims have today mm. to mm. conform to the dominant narratives and stuff. Imagine Muslims, so you're going to have Muslims who acquiesce, right? Mm. Actually, you're going to have people who adopt the dominant uh, discourse of yeah. minus income. Imagine if these were having this conversation a hundred years ago. The dominant discourse is saying, was it um, Oxford University, for example, was the first let a woman in for a degree in mm. 1920. Yes. So 110, 100, let's say 110 years ago, it was seen as silly, as mm. an anti-modern and anti-civilized to have a woman study for a degree. Yeah, yeah. Right? And now the Muslim would have acquiesced to mm. that, that mm. pressure, would have said, yeah, you know what, maybe we should reform our deen or... They should find mm. a way to uh, accommodate this. How would they look at themselves now? For a thousand yeah, years yeah, ago, yeah. Fatima Tulfihari, she, yeah. she founded a university, let alone seeking knowledge. Right? 1847 in Hungary, Ignaz Semmelweis, he discovered, uh, he made a startling discovery in, in Hungary, right? That washing your hands is good for you. Yeah? Before that, people would make fun yeah. of him. What are you doing? Wasting yeah, water, yeah. whatever. And they're like, I wonder how, why all of these women yeah, are dying of yeah. childbed fever. Right, because they're doing like autopsies and then going and delivering babies yeah, and women are yeah, dying. Yeah, yeah. But imagine some people in that era, just before that era, laughing at Muslims. Saying, what are you doing? You keep washing your hands or whatever, mm. you're wasting water. And a Muslim acquiesced then. Yeah. Right? So right now, if Muslims feel any pressure to acquiesce to anything else, just think of your track record, right? And think, if I acquiesce and just accept the dominant narrative here, Imagine if I did that in mm. 1911, Oxford University, or early 19th century Hungary, or even during the Jim Crow laws in the USA, or mm. wh whatever. The point is clear, right? That Muslim, if you take a Muslim at any point in history, they would generally have the same outlook, the same core morality. Mm. But if you take a Westerner, for example, someone who's untethered, right and wrong is whatever the social norm yeah. is, whatever the, the loudest, most powerful dominant voices yeah. at the time right these are not people you can take yes. your change yeah. your deeds yeah. in order to please imagine if you get the most progressive person in terms of socially progressive person on this earth yeah and bring them now now in a hundred years ago hundred years later their great-grandchildren will probably be saying those were the most uncivilized yeah. people because the nature of society is that freedom hasn't been experienced enough by that generation they weren't free enough and we're the paragons but of you know, it could be the opposite because what, you, opposite, what yeah. you're describing yeah, is yeah. a progression thesis. Yes. Know, which, that, this is another white supremacist norm that and belief that a billion years of evolution has taken us from a yes. single cell organism all the way to the modern American yes. male, white American, blonde haired, blue eyed kind of. So, so maybe, they gra maybe their grandchildren would be cancelling yeah. for the different reasons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there's one Sheikh Adam said this in, yes. a, in an interview once. He said, Look, 
He said homosexuality, right? Obviously, I disagree with it. <laughs> Sodomy was a crime 50 years ago. Can you guarantee there won't be a crime again another 50 yeah. years? No, you can't, right? Because that's the point. Mm. If you have no tethering, yes, you and this is partly why there's, I think, so much persecution of the heretic in mm. this part of the world, historically and today, and using different terms, extremism and bigots and so forth. Mm-hmm. That is because there's no tethering, people are very scared if they let someone say something, Mm-hmm. People start following them and our morality will change again. They may adopt a position where morality is more in conformity with the traditional yeah. morality than the morality of people today. For a person in the West today, the, the, the sort of follower of the dominant mm. discourse, right? Not, I'm not talking about like people with a firm kind of foundation like, uh, like Muslims, for example. But somebody following the dominant white Western mm. post-Christian kind of even Christian kind of discourse is for them... Think of any moral outrage, moral mm. crime that you, you might think that they have. If you boil it down to core, yes, what is it? It's just social norm and etiquette. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Why so is incest wrong? It, forget incest, killing, genocide, colonization, yeah. imperialism. But, but it's even like that, picking your nose at a But, at but even table. those things, so, yeah, oh, those obviously. things you can say, oh, there's some reason, even though when you put, go down to it, there isn't really. But if you yeah. talk about incest, yeah, which is which comes from a very Christian, it's a remnant of Christian laws. The incest laws are come from Christianity. Yeah? Yeah. There's no other basis for those. And if you ask somebody, why shouldn't a brother be allowed to marry his sister? And it's that's why, disgusting. Uh, yeah, no, but that's why that, that's, that's the trajectory that a lot of countries are going now, right? But the thing is, but the thing is, obviously they may go in that direction. Western society. But at the moment, most people who are, oh, I'm the most progressive person, I'm the most woke person. But no, I wouldn't. I would never like a brother to marry a sister. Yeah. But why? But why? And they will argue whatever they argue. Oh, but what, if they have a baby, then that baby might be deformed, and there may be genetic problems. Okay, what about if they're both sterilized? Yeah. They still have a problem with that, yeah. Because the reality is that people are still affected by, the, as you said, the social norms around them, societal norms but around them. If you boil it down to if you boil anything down, this mm. is this is why no other. I'm pretty sure no other civilization, if we can call it that, has meted out the level of death and destruction yeah. and ongoing, just chaos and carnage that unfortunately the Western civilization and tradition has. Yeah. And this has got to be one of the factors that at the crux of it, there's no real moral tethering. Yeah, Someone might be the very nice person, right? But it's because of social norms and mm. that's what's norm. That's how they were raised, the good manners yeah. and that kind yeah. of stuff. But it's not tethered to anything. It yes. could be hijacked yes. and bam, you have a holocaust. Yeah, yeah. It could be hijacked and yeah. bam, you have the British Empire. It could be hijacked and altered by whatever uh, norms and yeah. then you have whatever kind of a uh, horrific yeah. thing now that today we regard as horrific but people then they were like this is just the norm this mm. is what society uh, this, this is what our morality is but that's the thing when with our children we've got, almost got to say our children may sometimes look upon people around them and think oh look this they, they may look up to them yeah but the reality is that if you ask anybody in this society why did you do that why did you behave in that way they couldn't really justify why they did that because it's the right thing to Every, do everybody else does it yeah, <laughs> yeah. now because what is the right even what is the <laughs> right thing to do is based on what everybody yeah. else perceives is the right thing to do isn't it it's what but the, you know the thing is what i tell parents is obviously if your kids are old enough three types of people get them to mingle with mm. to see the reality beneath the facade mm. because they only look up to a certain type of person yeah. if they're only seeing the highlights real they're not seeing the consequences of their lifestyle and their actions. Yeah. three types of people Number one, NHS staff, particularly on 
for example, Friday night, so yeah. number two, police. They have to clean up the mess of society mm. and they get an idea of a true scale of yeah. the consequences of a society or a philosophy that defines a human being as being led by, defined by and led by and governed by his material impulses, yes. the most primitive part of his nature. And the third part is the social services, i.e. for okay. children. Because the children are a huge victim of the lifestyle, the Western lifestyle. I'm not anti-West, I regard myself as a Western, <laughs> that's why I keep trying to add more qualifications, right? The Western liberal reduction of human beings as pleasure-seeking, pain-avoiding mm. animals whose aim is to minimize pleasure, mm. minimize pain, mm. and who are defined and governed by their material impulse, their likes, their dislikes, mm. and so forth, right? These three types. So it looks nice, it looks amazing when you mm. watch on TV or Instagram, you're just seeing the highlights reel, yeah. writing, oh, look, you can be your best self, you can do this, mm. you can do that. But this, and this is the only reason why kids might look up to it, or anyone. You yeah. know, you're, you're watching the polished Hollywood kind of movies and propaganda mm. and all that kind of stuff. But look at these three types, speak to these three types of people. Police, NHS staff, mm. and social uh, workers. Yeah, or go to Leicester Square, go to Central London mm. on a Friday night, and see the consequences with yeah, your yeah. eye of this type of philosophy. We've actually covered a, a huge amount of ground, and uh, yeah. So I think, what is your final message to parents around these particular topics, and what do you advise parents to do or not to do when discussing these issues with their children? That's a big. <laughs> that's a massive. Uh, one line in one yeah, line. So one thing is. Don't use words like gay or straight. Yeah. Never ever use them unless you're saying somebody identifies as mm. XYZ or with quotation marks. Mm. Just like you might do someone identifies as a Jedi or something, mm. right? Not to say you want to be mean to someone like that, but recognize we are gaytheists, <laughs> right? Gaytheism, copyright, use of Patel, 2022, I don't know when you made that up. But this is very important. Don't mm. accept these terminologies mm. and then try to articulate your resistance from within that paradigm because you will fail this discourse this hegemonic discourse this intolerant aggressively imposed upon us discourse is designed to only allow you to either be one of two characters the enlightened ally or the bigoted homophobe you reject both of these right because you are muslims we are muslims we have our own way of looking at human beings and life and love and the purpose of life and all these types of mm -hmm. questions. Absorb other people's versions of those, answers to those questions. Jazakallah khair. Barakallah fiqh. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.